Hey, everybody. Welcome to We Hate People, our first, actually, zeroth episode, recorded <laughs> Wednesday, February 11th, 2015. I'm Simon Potter, and with me, my equal in all things except height and raw machismo, <laughs> David Holloway. How are you? Good, Simon. I tell you what, it's nice being here with you of course and and as for those of you that might have been silly enough to listen to our other podcasts it's nice to be experiencing a bit of role reversal uh, you're cross-dressing again yeah well that it's, so I, I actually am wearing some rather fetching panties for this but uh, yeah uh, it's no it's it's lovely to have the the better voice for radio driving things mm, well our trusted listener well actually there's no listeners at the moment because no one even knows that no. this exists but um, anyway, as I mentioned, this is episode zero. It's a pilot, a test, but not a test pilot. <laughs> it, it might be crashing and burning. We'll just see how this goes. Um, so why another podcast? That's the first thing to address. What's wrong with Flashpoint? Well, dear listener, if you are asking the second question, you clearly haven't listened to Flashpoint. <laughs> but uh, we thought we'd broaden our scope and take a less structured approach and just get conversational, chatty angry so we're broadening the range of things we're talking about it's not just going to be about games uh in flashpoint we touch on technology pop culture geek culture and so forth this one we're going to just really emphasize those areas and uh and just be a bit more opinionated and possibly a bit more argumentative with each other exactly I, we, so, I sort of see it like a big blank white sheet and we just both kind of spray diarrhoea on it. Ah, interesting. Yeah. I was thinking about making a joke about episode zero, patient zero, but with less pus, but I'm, I'm not actually sure about that. <laughs> well, the other thing I was going to say about episode zero was it, it's a really cynical marketing move like the comic companies do where it's designed to make a whole bunch of people think they want to get in on the ground level and, and before it really hits its stride. I mean, unfortunately, with this, this may never hit its stride, but it's still going to be an episode zero. That's true. Well, Game of Thrones have done that for season, what was it, season five. They've had an episode zero zero, which is uh, sort of a making of uh, behind the scenes thing to try and, I suppose, I don't know, I would say tied us over, but I think that's being too generous to uh, just send us into apocalyptic fits as we wait for no, April. You're not wrong. Because April seems a long way away. Yes. And see, that's a good thing. That's what you get with this podcast is that everything's behind the scenes. There is no front of stage with this thing. No. No. Well, I'm not sure that our front of, uh, our front of stage presentation really worked that awesomely anyway. So uh, hopefully everyone's going to notice a difference, uh, a little bit looser, a little bit more jiggy. No one says jiggy anymore. Forget <laughs> And I'm going to be the hyena that laughs lots. Oh, you're the Ed McMahon to my Jimmy Fallon. Yes, or the, the Walt. I don't Jimmy even know Walt's last Fallon's name. Funny either. Um, I, I did say before we started the show, I wasn't going to allude to the podcast we're directly trying to rip off by doing this, but what the hell. Um, one of the big influences for me, at least, is um, the Tell em Steve Dave podcast, which features two of the comic book men for anyone that watches that reality show so i like to think of myself as the walt just with less talent and not as hyenary a laugh mm. well don't don't beat yourself up well what is because he's is more <laughs> yeah see i i i have <coughs> I, I did listen 
<laughs> I did listen to that one episode, but I, I'm not sure that I remember hearing a hyena in the background, but uh, never mind. Talk you could be our dingo. How's that? <laughs> Look, yeah, let's not talk about stolen babies. Not I the- wasn't going to. I did think about it, but no. No. It's too obvious. Not episode zero, at least. Yeah. So what do we got? Sorry, that's me. No, see, role reversal, David. That's not my job. Isn't it? What do you think we should do next, Simon? I I don't know. Um, Oddly enough, this this podcast is going to be like a blank sheet of paper, which oddly enough is what the running sheet looked like. Looked like. (laughs) Exactly. Go on. And we've just ended up on our running sheet with shitloads of TV and film stuff, but that's as good a place to start as any. But though we do have... Uh, a really interesting package, and I don't mean... No, I'm not even going there. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Uh, we have a really interesting package that you, you've put together, Simon, on net neutrality, and it was one of the reasons we ended up launching this podcast sooner than we expected because it's a really great insight into net, net neutrality and, and the debate that's going along, on at the moment. So we'll, we'll get on to that later, but we'll talk some more shit in the meantime. Oh, don't oversell it, buddy. Don't oversell uh, it. It's the best thing since um, Winston Churchill's World War II speeches. All right. Okay, well, okay, fine. So you're happy about the package. I'm happy about our enormous genitals. Let's just move that's on. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, let's just start with um, Spider-Man. Yeah, look, that is big news. Even if you're not a comics fan, uh, it, you'd be unlikely to not have heard that, yeah, finally Sony and Marvel have not kissed and made up, have they? But they're, they've agreed to work together at least. Um, I, I think basically Marvel heard Sony rattling its tin cup <laughs> uh, and um, will we'll dance for, for food or at least will... Uh, Need, need help with franchise. I think that's probably what they had on their piece of cardboard yeah. with a piece of string hanging around their neck. Because let's face it, they, they don't have a clue. Not to mention the fact that they are financially in the, in the toilet. Yes. They, they are not doing well. They are, yeah, they've sold a shitload of uh, PS4s and uh, that's great, that despite the fact it's got bugger all games on it. Uh, but but that's fine. So that's been a success story. But they haven't had much else to to sing about. I mean, they they sold off um, Sony Online Entertainment (SOE), the uh, producer of uh, of uh, what is it, EverQuest and uh, DCU Online and yep. the H1Z1. So uh, yeah, I mean that's a little bit of cash they desperately needed. But they also need the Spider-Man franchise to to start paying and to get more attention because let's face it. Um, the Andrew Garfield uh, iteration of the franchise has, has done well. It's, it's done okay, but you know, it's uh, it's it's like someone. It's like a, a brass rubbing that you, you used to do in the church. It it is kind of it's kind of too much like the the uh, Tobey Maguire one. Yeah, and it's, I preferred it. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there's points to argue for both of them. Um, I mean, Tobey Maguire appears to have one facial expression. Uh, <laughs> puzzled, yeah, puzzled. That seems to be that seems to be it. Uh, I'm sure he's been good in other things, but he's. Uh, and then the whole emo thing. Oh my god, that was. I, if they did it for laughs, it just wasn't working. Yeah. So it, yeah, the Sam Raimi trilogy was okay. 
the the Garfield one, I, I don't know if the poor guy's actually going to get to do a third film at this point because they're not going to be. I don't look like they'll be hiring him for the um, the appearance in uh, the the Avengers or the 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 main cinematic universe. So my understanding is is it's not even confirmed for the Avengers, is it? They they're saying it's in some movie between now and. I think it's 2017 or 18, and someone ratted off. I think it's Guardians of the Galaxy 2, uh, the next Thor movie. There's only three or four options there, and none of them are the Avengers. Then I can't see them putting them him. They won't waste him in um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Galaxy, no, no, I don't. They won't stick him in a Thor movie. The and I, I've got nothing to base this on. But where was? Can you think of an absolutely epic storyline that Spider-Man was involved in, pivotal, you might say, um, that also involved the Avengers, specifically Cap and Tony Stark going mano a mano, basically? Oh, yeah, see, I'm hopeless on that stuff. Which one was that? Millie with Civil War? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yep. Because that would, I mean... Aren't they, they're, 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 sorry, they are doing a Civil War movie, aren't they? Right? I think they are, yeah. yeah. That would be the perfect place for them. Whether it's going to be occurring um, quickly enough, because, I mean, I, the impression I would get from this is um, they, they want... Spider-Man's going to appear in a movie in the MCU and then he's going to go back with uh, the movies being produced by Sony with Marvel um, involvement. Okay. Which is good because uh, hopefully that the disastrous idea of having an Aunt May movie. <laughs> yeah. What? what? What the hell? Anyway, um, but hopefully uh, the the ship will be righted. But so I get the impression they really need to. They want Spider-Man to appear in something sooner rather than later. But it's got to count for something. See, it's actually too soon, and I know they want to do movie before TV, but the. Uh, Daredevil TV show would have been a great start out because they, they're actually quite regular uh, team-up duo in the comics. Mm. But they, they, they'll want to start it with a movie and, I mean, Daredevil season one's already shot. So but so it'd be interesting to see where they go with it and, and what Marvel characters are allowed into the Sony stuff, whether they do get to have some of the big ones or, you know, it's, it's Spider-Man with... Um, the Dazzler and um, Rom, the Space Knight. And yes, I'm aware that that's a toy franchise that Marvel doesn't own, but you know what I mean. Uh, I, I hope I do. Otherwise, I'm deeply worried by, by what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, so, you know, you hope they just don't give them all the D-grade characters. I can't imagine Sony agreeing to that. So you should, you know, hopefully see Captain America or some of the Avengers in the next Spider-Man movie or the Hulk or whatever. Yes, are you, uh, are you tapping your foot on the floor, by the way? No, sorry, I was tapping something then. Okay, I don't want to... That's our in-house drummer. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Yeah. Just keep, keep, keep your hands above the desk, buddy. Keep sorry. Above the desk. I'm just excited. <laughs> right, well, at least we don't have any lower to go. No, that's right. So, is there any other thoughts on, uh, on Spider-Man? It's... No, I mean, I think it's a good start. I think it's it's a compromise and that's all you can expect. I'd love to see Spider-Man back fully in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with no limitations, but this is as good as we're going to get at the moment. Well, it's hard to say because with Sony being in the in the financial shitter it is 
because uh, they they sold their um, they've sold their headquarters building as well uh, in was in New York I think so they are divesting themselves so it's difficult to say whether uh, whether they are going to have stage a, a have to stage a full retreat or whether they're just going to slowly keep shedding divisions and properties. So it's, it wouldn't surprise me if they end up having to sell the rights back to Marvel if they can't start turning things around. That's right. Which may be better for the characters, and even better for the characters if, uh, and this isn't going to happen because uh, the, uh, after the News Corp split, uh, the Fox Entertainment New Media side away from the, the dying newsprint side of things, uh, I can't see, they're in a strong position, I can't see them selling the X-Men back. No. Which is, which is kind of a shame, but eh. I'll, I'll forgive them if they do a decent job on, dead, uh, on, the, um, on the Deadpool movie. And, oh, they better. Yeah. Like, so, or, or whatever their headquarters building is going to be the next Nakatomi Plaza, I tell you that. Actually, I think their building was the Nakatomi Plaza. I think they, they just, uh, they just built it and they they used it uh they used used the new headquarters building as nakatomi plaza so yes yeah well, he's, i mean days of future past wasn't bad i quite liked it but you're right it'd be nice to have it all integrated i mean avengers versus x-men's the obvious thing that was the big crossover they had was it year before last now mm. that, that that would kick ass as a movie yeah oh well we will just have to. Yeah, Days of Future Past was okay. The I, the the whole lifting of the stadium, um, as a as some sort of shield wall was utterly ludicrous. Yeah. Just, you know, I don't mind crazy stuff as long as there's some sort of internal consistency. Yeah, an engineering reality. Yeah, uh, I mean, apart from the fact that something like that wouldn't actually hold together, just the the torsional stresses, the whole thing would just kind of come down into a big pile of crap but not only that it's a freaking stadium they're designed for a lot of people to get into and out of pretty quickly yes there's plenty of holes in it yeah there's holes many many holes so yeah uh but anyway it, it was quite spectacular it was i guess so that's uh, that's marvel and then you've got the also rens the also rens as in dc oh yes poor detective comics well, what's happened with Detective Comics? Well, it... Long, silent pause. So I'm aware of the new 52 news. Yeah. Are they killing Detective Comics again? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Detective Comics is, is continuing in the new 52. Good. Do we want to talk about that or do we want to move on to something else? Because that's how, that's how loose and fancy-free we are. Yeah, but well, that's right. Well, yeah, new 52. Enough. Yeah, if, if you, you're desperate, listen to Flashpoint. And I do promise this is not going to be a constant cross-promotion of podcasts. We won't do that, will we? Uh, no, no. No more than the ABC does. That's, <laughs> that's right. Um, plus, we did reboot to get new listeners, although we do love our old listeners. We do, both of them. <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, let's go from the fantasy to the reality of, um, you know, the, the highly realistic sphere of, to, uh, tonight TV, or what do you call it? Um, prime time. Uh, um, the 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 most watched and most credible news broadcast on television today, the Daily Show, obviously, since Colbert's um, basically gone. But he has gone, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, I think has he actually finished? Anyway, I know what you mean. Yeah, 
there's, we don't get the live shows here, folks. So no. sorry. <laughs> but anyway, if he's if he hasn't gone, he is going, and so now is is Stuart, and. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't suppose it should be too big a surprise. He's been doing it for 16 years, if you can believe that. Yeah, I can't believe that. And uh, I, I can understand him wanting to move on to new things because uh, doing a daily, I mean, it's, it's hard enough just trying to get your crap together to do a, a fortnightly podcast, let alone doing a live-to-air um, TV broadcast every, every weekday. And uh, let's face it, if you hang on too long, you end up like Letterman, who... Yeah. He only ever shows up for the for the live taping because he's got absolutely no idea what the hell is going on. He's talk about completely unprepared. He has got to be the the quintessential giant of that. Yes, and uh, it's good to see that Stuart is uh, remains a a man of character, a man of integrity, and doesn't want to be someone who's just slowly tuning off station as as they go on. I mean, sixteen years is a long time to to keep your eye on the ball, and he's done a pretty damn good job of it. Gotcha. So, and he hasn't announced what he's doing, though, has he? He's just kind of... I don't think he knows. He's no. not even finishing the Daily Show, but, um, yeah, what the... Who or what is going to replace him? And and uh, is he going to do a Leno? And what, get, get fat, and fat and disillusioned? Uh, well, well, yeah, I mean, there's obviously that, uh, that and colossally rich. No, I was thinking of uh, of getting off and doing something else, uh, bringing in a, a new person to to uh, do the job, and obviously there'll be a ratings dip, probably. Yeah. Uh, as the as that person br- uh, builds up steam and and an audience, but uh, we all know what happened with uh, Leno and Conan O'Brien, don't we? Don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he—I mean, he wouldn't do a Leno. I can't. He, he would. He, once he's gone, he's gone. I think he's. He'll yeah, have, I, I can't imagine him revisiting it. But I, I just can't help but wanting to. Anytime something like this happens, I just want to keep reminding people what a jerk Leno is. Yeah, he. he well, yeah. He—he he was a A-grade douche. Team Coco forever. Sorry, there we go. Oh yeah, give me O'Brien any day. Um, for two, and also because I'm a rabid Springsteen fan, so Max Weinberg on there was always a highlight for me. Um, and just while I'm on Springsteen, don't rule out the idea of John Stewart and Springsteen doing a, an album together. Because I don't know whether you've seen, he's had Springsteen on a whole bunch of times, and they've even done some um, cool uh, duet stuff together. Ah. I, I, now, see, there's that awful part of me going, oh, my God, was that Jimmy Fallon and not John Stewart? <laughs> I'm just trying to think I could have that totally wrong. Uh, no, I'm sure, it's, I'm sure it's John Stewart. Look, uh, I think, um, folks, if you're here for background noise while you're driving to work, you Where found the podcast. If you're looking for accurate information, uh, move along. There's nothing to see here. Well, see, now I'm just quickly without um, knocking off our... Oh, and that's the other thing um, you need to be aware we're, we're recording with the highest quality gear that you won't even notice when we're Googling in the background. No, it is. It's, it was John Stewart and Springsteen. So there you go. They're, but they're mates. So imagine that. There'd be an album with some humour in it because Springsteen's not renowned for humour. No, no. But he, lyricism he is. For oh, now. yeah. 
So, yes, Vale, John Stewart, but he, he hasn't announced a finish date, has he? He's going to at least the end of the year or something. No, I think his contract finishes up in, what is it, January? So, I don't know. Him, they may, if they, if, it'd be, it really is going to be down to who's going to succeed him and if they find, find someone with the right fit. And, wow, what an, that is going to be a hell of an act to follow. Do you yeah. get someone similar? Do you get someone completely different? How is that going to work? I'm just trying to think of potential candidates and I'm, I'm struggling. Kanye West. That's topical. So you, well, wear, you wear the whole Beyonce thing? Yeah, he did run up on stage again, but he just he, he made out that was a joke. Okay. You know, like the stuff people wear on the bloody red carpet. What? 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 I mean, Sia, what Sia wore, that, that at least was funny. Yeah, well, she likes her privacy. She does, and uh, I, was, I was thinking, God, I hope, I hope she changes before she takes her seat because no one to the sides or behind her is going to be able to see a thing. Yeah, and that's going to be annoying. <laughs> yeah. No, apparently most people do change before they actually do take their seats. Uh, it's just what they wear on the red carpet for a lot of people, especially the more outrageous stuff, is, is there for the photographers. And Sia, I, I'm wondering if she gets her desire for privacy from another, and this is for our international listener, um, the Eurovision Song Contest, for those in Europe will know it very well, and I'm, I'd like to think our US listeners will know as well, that today was announced that Australia has actually got a wild card entry into this year's Eurovision. And there's already a petition circulating uh, for our Australian listeners for TISM to be Australia's entry into the Eurovision. Are they still going? Well, they're not. So for, for those that aren't in Australia, TISM is a, an interesting act. Uh, and TISM, T-I-S-M, stands for This Is Serious Mum. Uh, consists of, I think it was half a dozen, five or six guys, and they always wore balaclavas or other face coverings on stage. So they were always 100% anonymous throughout their career. Uh, there's one guy that's come out since and, and revealed that he was one of the members. My understanding is a couple of them were school teachers, which was why they needed to, to keep their anonymity. Mm-hmm. Um, great satirists... Good musos as well. I mean, did you like? Well, you're you're a Melbourneite, Simon. You, you, do you ever have the pleasure of seeing them? No, but I'm I'm definitely aware of them. I'm just worried that if uh, if they pop up, then everyone in America and Europe are going to think that uh, recording artists from Australia are all are obsessed about <laughs> privacy. Yeah. Anyway, I, 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 if we have show notes, I might put a link to the petition. I'd love if we if we're going to go over to the Eurovision, we might as well do it with with some attitude. Yeah, well, either that or Vanessa Amorossi. I mean, she must be bitter and fat enough by now to to go on there and be a... <laughs> You're nasty. Be, I love a, Vanessa. What's she done lately? Oh, not much. No, the, yeah. That song with the Sydney Olympics, I haven't, I haven't... She's been out of public consciousness as far as I'm aware. And isn't the whole point of Eurovision, you either uh, young upstarts that, that are desperate to, to try and make any kind of headway yes. like ABBA yeah. or, or um, tired tired people looking for um, their, their careers to be reinvigorated like Bonnie Tyler and Engelbert Humperdinck. Humperdinck yeah, and look how well they did. Um, well, Britain never does well or England never does well. Speaking of old and tired, uh, and I can't give away the source of this information, but it's um, I know of someone that tried to book John Farnham, again for our international listeners may or may not know John Farnham, but he's a very, very popular Australian artist from the 60s, 70s and 80s mostly and a bit of 
success in the 90s. Uh, and Jimmy Barnes, who some people argue has never been not successful, but his peak was about the same time as Farnham. Um, Farnham charges somewhere in the vicinity of 200k for a gig still, and Barnes is about half that. Well, I know who I'd be booking. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd, I'd be going for the 100k. Um, I, I don't mind some of Farnham's stuff, but Barnes has got the bigger back catalogue, I'd argue. So, yeah, $100,000 is a lot. Well, the, the, advantage with, um, the advantage with Jimmy Barnes is you don't, need a, you don't need an amp stack for him. You just sit him in the corner of the room and he's good to go. That's right. He's, got a, yeah, he's still got a voice on him for an ageing person with a decaying heart. But anyway. Oh, so that's, a good, that's a good album title. Decaying heart. <laughs> well, he had freight train heart, so why not decaying heart? Could be yeah, the follow-up. Yeah, just do a series of sort of uh, the, uh, the heart disease um, trilogy. <laughs> So anyway, uh, that's just a bit of music trivia. Well, just talking about um, about um, people, um, decrepit, increasingly decrepit people past their prime, um, well, are we going to talk about Madonna's um, appearance at the... Uh, at the... I haven't watched it, but I've seen snippets of it and my, my um, reaction from seeing it was bloody good on her. She looked great. Well, yeah, as long as that's... The, you'll notice that it was mostly medium and distant shots. Oh, yeah, well, she's not silly. Uh, no, 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 she's definitely not that. But I'm just wondering if uh, the sort of uh, sexy beard, well, actually I sort of feel that my gorge rising just using the word sexy in this context, uh, the the uh, sort of um, bendy matador mistress thing she had going. Uh, uh, it's, what are our kids thinking? Yeah, that's the hard bit. Oh, look, it's mum. Her eldest daughter I think is 18. Yeah, Is which orders or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Which and so she's probably gotten gotten to the age now where she's sort of rolling her eyes. But the the younger kid, I think, is probably around the thirteen to fifteen mark, and that's the worst kind of teenager. Yeah, they're wanting to die. Yeah, that's that's going to be. And what I mean by that is they're the ones that would be mortified to a much higher degree than someone in their yeah. late teens. No matter what you do as a parent at that age, you yeah exactly. Yeah, it doesn't matter how cool you are. And is Madonna cool? That's that's the question. Is is she no. st- she still be trying to to do this? I mean, there's the old phrase "mutton dressed as lamb," um, which is which is outdated to a, a degree and a, and a bit ageist because if you if you can still if you still look good and you can still do these things, why shouldn't you? But then um, I think we're reaching a point with um, our aging sexy rock stars, you know, the, the, the Jaggers and so forth of this world. Uh, what point should you stop? Is there a point at which you should stop? Yeah, my, my view is no, and it's all based on the performance. So with the Stones as a classic example, they look like they are nearly ready to die on stage, particularly um, – oh, actually, no, not particularly any of them. Charlie Watts is the oldest and he looks the most spry of a lot of them. Um, I and need to – for years, yeah, so. that's right. It's about it's about the show, and I mean the Stones put on a half decent show. Still, um, I've already talked about Springsteen. He definitely shouldn't be stopping because he's still putting on four hour shows without a break and kicking ass. No, no special effects, just him. Uh, sometimes a video screen if it's a big venue and his big band, and they, he just goes for four hours straight. You can't you can't begrudge any of that. 
um, Madonna eats a harder one when she's banked on sexuality and, and looks the whole time. And shock. and shock. Don't forget that. And shock. It's it's one thing with um, with um, uh, Springsteen because for him it's always okay. I, I mean, the Born in the USA um, album cover with the the shot of his tush. Yeah, uh, the, there was obviously at one point in his career he was banking on his, on his looks. Yeah, um, to some degree, but for him primarily it's always been about the music. That's right, and it still is. Yeah, um, Madonna, her her modus operandi really has been yes, catchy hooks. Um, some of which she steals from ABBA, uh, which is fine because <laughs> Lady, Lady Gaga steals from her. So that, you know, it's a circle of life. Um, it's sampling, Simon, <laughs> sampling. You're talking about that Sorry song? Yeah, because that directly took from... Um, sorry song? Yeah, no, uh, what was it called? Uh, yeah, so, uh, she had a single born called... Born This Way. Sorry? Born This Way. It was a rip-off of uh, Express Yourself. You can actually overlay the two oh, songs. Oh, okay. Well, she's, but she's uh, directly sampled... Abba, like overtly in, I think it's called Sorry, the song, and it's... Um, Madonna, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Voulez Vu or whatever it is from Abba. It's a, the, the riff is directly sampled. Uh, yeah, I think, it's the, I think it's the opening chords from uh, Gimme a Man, I think. Oh, sorry, you're right, it is too. That one, yeah. Uh, yeah. which I always found incredibly infectious, so she made a really good choice there. Yeah, yeah. But there's nothing wrong with doing that. Uh, you do a dance number and, and yeah, you, you lift riffs. Um, as long as it's as long as it's appropriately credited and people get paid, like <laughs> like Benny and Bjorn need more money. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I think that that's fair enough. It's really her stock in trade has since the um, uh, the, the the sex coffee table book and that uh, that what the hell was it now? Oh, the uh, movie. Just, just, justify my love. Um, yeah, that. Yeah. That video, which obviously caused a bit of a stir, and then and in, in bed with Madonna was the movie or the doco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, yeah whatever you want to classify that as. Her stock and trade has always been um, sex appeal and shock value. Yes, and it's worked really well for her. I don't know. At, at some point, though, regardless of how much Pilates she does and how much she watches her weight and how much she um, only gets seen in favourable lighting. At some point, it's just not going to work. She's just going to become a laughing stock. How close do you think we are to that point? Well, I think we're probably close, but then she might, I doubt she'd argue this, but she might be taking the approach that it's time to shift that, God, I hate the word paradigm, but it's time to shift that paradigm about it all being about how you look when you're 40 or under and that, well, how old is she? 54 or something, I think she is. Um, That, you know, 50s to 70s is the new... 20s to 40s and that yeah if I do um, do a Sharon Stone pose with not much on that it's okay if you see four thighs and I don't know more hair than Humphrey B. Bear it's fine it's the new paradigm (laughs) I doubt she's taking that approach though she's still trying to be 30. Yeah well yeah I mean good on her she looks she looks um, a lot better than, than most people her age. I mean, uh, um, uh, Farrell is – he's over 40 now. He doesn't Farrell look Williams. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I'll give you – who in the 80s? He's, 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 got, he's got the, he's got the, the, the bone structure, the cheekbones. He and so he's, not, he's not going to show his age um, quickly. So when, it, when Madonna hit her peak in the 80s or her first handful of hits, who – did people always compare it to who was the other singer releasing lots of hits that 
It was Madonna versus who? Her direct competition was oh, she, the, the ex-choreographer for the Lakers, um, 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 Abdul, Abdul, what's her name? No, well, oh. yeah, could I get, yeah, there's that, that, no, but it was very much in pop culture was Cindy Lauper. Really? Oh, yeah, no, yeah, I, so it was Madonna I, v. Cindy Lauper was a common thing. A lot of your teen magazines would say, you know, who's the coolest, who's winning on the charts, whatever. You write from a dancing viewpoint, Paula Abdul's a good, good comparison. Um, now... I'm going back 10 years and I apologise to any listeners that know me because they've already been... Cindy Lauper, really? I had never heard that. Yeah, yeah. And she had equivalent success with her first two albums to Madonna. I I'd have to look up the sales, but they're very, very similar. But they never, they never tried to compete in the looks department. Oh, sure. no, no, no. Cindy Lauper was a lot more quick. It was more competing for demographics. So, yeah, no, Cindy Lauper was a whole different kettle of fish. Oh, yeah. But... Um, so, it's yeah. an unfortunate choice of phrase, but go on. Yeah. Apologies to people that know me. They've already been bored with this anecdote. But about 10 years ago, I had the opportunity to interview Cindy Lauper. And uh, I used to write for a computer magazine and we used to interview um, musicians that used computers to make their music. Long, boring story. Spent a year, um, or the short story version, spent a year tracking her down. She came out to Australia, finally got agreement to interview her. Interviewed a band in the afternoon. She was due to come down for a five-minute quick chat. She rang down, said, "Look, I can't. I'm I'm basically skyping with my young son." So she was 54 at that age, 54 at that stage, and had a six-year-old son, eight-year-old son. Sorry. So she'd had her one and only child at 46. Um, said, "Sorry, I can't come down, but uh, send send me to the the sound check, and he can interview me there." And I'm going, "You beauty, do the sound check." Um, I watch her do the sound check. So I'm, me and uh, a mate who came along as a photographer, we're sitting alone in the State Theatre of Sydney in the front second row and watching Cindy Lauper and the band do a sound check. When she walked in, she had no makeup on. She was 54 years of age then, 10 years ago, and she looked stunning. Mm. Absolutely stunning, So, which I couldn't believe. Um, got up and, and rocked her ass off um, in sound check. Interviewed her before the show out the back in the catering room. Um, we're given complimentary tickets. Funniest thing about this whole thing is a week later, I got out the envelope with the complimentary tickets mm-hmm. written on the front of the envelope and I hadn't noticed it on the night and I've never stopped kicking myself since. Written on the front of the envelope was, please come backstage after show. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I picked myself as well. Oh, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I'm sitting in the chair I am now recording this podcast, looking at the tickets and going, how did I miss that? And it was nothing. There was nothing. Don't worry. Some people would think, oh, it was creepy time. It was nothing like that. It was because we hadn't been able to take photos prior to the show because she hadn't gone into makeup. My assumption is it was come back to get the photos for the article because she had a makeup on. Yeah. All right. We can entertain all sorts of other fantasies, but that's what it was. But, you know, that could have led to, you know, come back with us to the motel. We're going to have a couple of drinks or whatever. It could have been a great, fun evening. Oh, I, I don't doubt it. I, I have to admit, I've always – I'm not a not a rabid fan, but I've always had a massive amount of respect for, for her as a recording artist. Same. And that's why I interviewed her because I had the privilege of – in that writing gig, I chose the musicians I interviewed. Ah. That's why. So there you go. That's my claim to fame anecdote of the week. 
Mm. We should try and come up with one each fortnight. I'm sure you've got plenty of claims to fame, and the lamer they are, the better. Uh, I can think yeah, of... think about it for next episode. Of one and a half. Yeah, see? There's, there's lots of... I mean, Weird Al Yankovic, for those who haven't heard, his recent single uh, lame claim to fame is well worth a listen to if you get a chance. It's funny oh, as... He would have met so many people. Oh, yeah. Highly recommend him as a live artist too, but that's another story. All right, so we've just we've covered the whole music industry there. Well, we, yeah, we uh, well we said it was going to be organic and and chatty. I think I think that's that's what we've done. God, I wonder if we can got enough material for more than one podcast. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in time. That's why I said claim to fame each podcast. We've got to spread them out. Yeah, I, I think we might have to. So we'll uh, we'll do one a year, one of these things a year maybe. Uh, so we may as well just uh, move on to uh, what something you, of substance. I'm thinking we should. Titled "Interesting Bit of the Week." Yeah, I thought we'd go for substance and call it something really academic, like "Interesting Bit of the Week." So each we- each well, sorry, when I say of the week of the episode, we should call it. And we don't actually know how often we're going to record these. I'm guessing fortnightly to monthly, but we'll we'll work that out. But um, each one will try and have a a segment and uh, covering an issue, and then we'll discuss it afterwards. So yeah, this the first one, thanks to Simon's work, is as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, net neutrality. And I'm probably not going to say a lot more. I've already said it's the best thing since Winston Churchill's wartime speeches. Um, just, yeah, let, ha- have a listen for yourself and we'll chat afterwards. It's our first package, be kind. That's right. Here we go. Net neutrality. What does it mean? Basically, it's about all data flowing through the internet being treated equally regardless of where it starts and where it ends up. Sounds like a no-brainer, right? Well, not to Comcast, Verizon, Time Warner or any of the other ISPs who are looking at their stagnating profits in saturated markets. Their problem in a nutshell is how do you squeeze more blood out of a stone? Their answer was the same as most other business sectors, like airlines, create a priority service or a fast lane. However, since a priority service would have to work on exactly the same network infrastructure as existing services with no additional infrastructure, the obvious answer was to actually restrict access or slow other traffic down to create what would appear to be a higher speed service. An analogy would be a traffic authority, say, designating a lane on an existing highway as a high-speed toll lane, which you could either use and pay, or you could just use the now more traffic-choked free lanes. How these companies could get away with this is down to how the internet is classified in US law. Currently, it's classed as an information service, whereas uh, your mobile or landline telephone is classed as a telecommunication service. Sounds boring. But it boils down to one being a utility and more tightly regulated and the other being more loosely regulated, allowing ISPs to do pretty much what they like. It's also the kind of legislative tedium which almost never gets the public's attention. Not this time, though. In June 2014, comedian John Oliver brought the issue into popular consciousness with some choice tidbits such as... Comcast has spent $18,810,000 in lobbying last year. That's more than any other company except for defense contractor North of Crummen. So just to be clear, the ranking of who buys government influence is number one, military-industrial complex, and number two, the provider of lizard lick towing. And... Ending net neutrality would allow big companies to buy their way into the fast lane, leaving everyone else in the slow lane, although telecom companies would prefer that you put it in a slightly different way. 
when you say fast lane and slow lane, it's a good illustration. But what you really should be talking about is a fast lane for everybody and a hyperspeed lane for others. <laughs> Bullshit. Then in November, President Obama made a speech where he urged the Federal Communication Commission, the FCC, to do everything they can to protect net neutrality for everyone. They should make it clear that whether you use a computer, phone, or tablet, internet providers have a legal obligation not to block or limit your access to a website. Cable companies can't decide which online stores you can shop at or which streaming services you can use. And they can't let any company pay for priority over its competitors. On January 29, 2015, the FCC announced new standards for what ISPs could and could not describe as a broadband service. In the report, benchmark speeds were redefined as 25 megabits per second down and 3 up, a substantial increase over the previous benchmark, which was 4 megabits per second down and 1 up. That's not even fast enough to watch an HD movie stream off Netflix. But then it was set in 2010. Times change. Unsurprisingly, ISPs do not like change. They were not pleased by this and claimed that the new benchmark grossly overestimated the average user's needs. However, as most traffic is video streaming and as any Netflix subscriber afflicted with frequent buffering knows, this argument fails to ring true. Also, consider that a recent report from Cisco Systems states that 2014's mobile data traffic was nearly 30 times the size of the entire globe's internet usage in the year 2000. That's one exabit up to 30. On February 4, FCC Chairman Tom Wheeler announced in an article in Wired that he intended to regulate ISPs as public utilities using the coma-inducingly named Title II of the Communications Act 1934. Wheeler is one of three liberal FCC commissioners that favour net neutrality, while the other two conservative commissioners, let's just say they're not so much on board. And while the FCC regulations are not as good a guarantor as a law would be, the proposed Republican legislation would approve net neutrality but take away the FCC's ability to regulate net neutrality, define broadband speeds, or allow local municipalities to create their own ISPs if private offerings are below par. During the FCC's February 26th meeting, they'll vote to reclassify broadband providers using Title II. Litigation from ISPs is inevitable, and that will probably be the best evidence we can get that Tom Wheeler and the FCC are doing the right thing. So I, I did tell you it was a pretty good segment. I know you hate me saying it every time I do, Simon, but um, let's actually talk about the substance of the issues. It's The whole net neutrality argument's obviously been around for... Well, I won't say it's been around as long as the internet because... It was, there was no neutrality at its origins. It was a military setup, wasn't it? Um, military and universities. Yeah, yeah. sorry, academics. Yeah, a means yeah. of, um, of swapping information. I think there's primarily really um, Usenet and ARPANET. And it's probably the last, I don't know, 10 to 12 years that there's been real concerns about neutrality being eroded. Because what, what was your first year on the internet, just for interest? When, when did you first get on the net? Uh, let me think. The first... God, this is going to date me. The first thing I think I was uh, had to do it at work because uh, my first computer was like an Atari. I don't mean the console. <laughs> I mean an actual Atari computer. Yeah, yeah. And I never really used PCs much apart from as a workplace tool because that's pretty much what they were. Games at the time were absolutely atrocious on yeah. PCs. Um, so I think it was, a, what was it, a, a 486SX 
which is the, uh, the, the most hobbled 486 processor you can get. And I think I was accessing it through CompuServe. Yeah, it makes two of us. So this was back in, oh, let me think. That must have been 1993, maybe. Yeah, early. so we're both the same. Um, yeah, I was the same CompuServe on a Mac LC2. Um, and just to show how dedicated it was, I was living in a rural town at that stage. Um, CompuServe, my recollection, was $12 per hour to use. Um, and I was also paying STD rates to dial into it. God. <laughs> You're so, using an acoustic modem? Yeah, I was, uh, my first modem was a, don't quote me on this, but I think it's a, it was a 9600 board modem. Ooh, fast. Uh, it might have been even the one under that. Maybe that was my second one. But I, I didn't start on 2400 or whatever. I'm sure I had one up from that. But, yeah, so STD rate. So I would get on for 10 or 15 minutes maximum the whole time going every minute. This is costing me some ridiculous amount of money. So 93 anyway. So that was back then you, there was no concern about net neutrality. It was the new thing and it was just known that it was something that no one entity or entities had total control over. But the last 10 years that's become an increasing concern. Yeah, and more to the point, it was, it was really something that there was bugger all in the way of actual services or uses for it. That's right. Uh, the people that jumped on there were... Really, what you were doing, you were you, you were um, going on to GeoCities and building a, a crappy website. Really, if um, if any of you didn't live through the the Stone Age of of the internet, probably the best thing to do is jump on. Uh, oh God, who the hell has it? I'm, I'm not even sure what streaming service. Uh, some of the early seasons of The Simpsons. <laughs> There's, 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 there's stuff about the internet on there you will not get if you are under a certain age. That's I get right. Um, but uh, some of it's, uh, I mean, you could talk about a dancing baby gif. And, uh, some people are going to know exactly what that's about and what TV show um, creepily made use of it. And um, But if you don't remember that, I envy you. I'd I, forgotten about the dancing baby until you mention it and then I can picture it starkly. Yeah, I, I it's... Once you've seen it, you cannot unsee it. It's just there in your head. And CompuServe was a walled garden and I thought it was the ant's pants. And I'll save this up for another episode, but CompuServe led me to missing out on drinks at a Sydney hotel with Cheryl Crow. But I'll leave that to the next episode. Yeah, if you would. I'm, I'm not sure. I think we might need to have Sponge down the, the studio after that. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... I can't see a positive outcome as far as net neutrality. I, I like to think that we'll be able to fight off the corporates, but the whole two-tier system, I, I think it's going to be fascinating if it can be prevented. Well, that's really what it comes down to, isn't it? It's, uh, the, it's FCC regulations uh, against laws, against legislation, regulation versus legislation. So that's going to be the, the thing. The uh, FCC have their meeting on, uh, I think, as we, we said, uh, the, the 26th of February. So that's, uh, what, about a fortnight away. And um, if uh, they've got three liberals against two people who just don't get what the hell's going on. So the, the regulation should pass, but it's, it's, what, um, it's what Congress does that's going to be the issue. Uh, 
Obama is clearly in the camp of net neutrality. Uh, the Republican legislation, it's, nice. uh, it's, it's basically a, uh, a, a very thin layer of carrot wrapped around a very large stick. So that's, that's not – no one – I don't think anyone in their right mind wants to see that. No. Um, but uh, it's, it's a bit – using the, the road analogy that was used in the, in the, um, in the package, the, yes. the, the concept of toll roads – because I used to work for a, a toll road company and um, I got to learn a lot about uh, multi-lane, free-flow, um, single-grade, blah, 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 blah. Uh, nonsense, and one of the one of the things they did uh, with the uh, a road just outside of Washington, the Pocahontas Parkway, hmm. was uh, they managed to for an Australian company, we, um, the Australian entity that we set up, uh, won the contract to put in uh, high occupancy vehicle lanes, HOV lanes. Oh yeah, so. The idea of that is you build additional lanes and then if people uh, want to to travel on them, uh, they have to have more than three or four people in there. So actually this analogy doesn't work now I think about it. Um, well, no, it does because you just think of the three or four people as a family, that a family has the biggest bandwidth. If you, Well, sorry, it doesn't have to be a family, but three or four people in one dwelling have the biggest bandwidth needs. And so if you, if you had a non-neutral environment where they could get bigger bandwidth for just a little bit more money, do you think they're not going to sign up for it? But that's the thing. It's, it's, not, just the, it's not just the end user. And having them paying for a second tier, it's the it's the companies themselves who have to pay for a standard or the yeah. the high tier of service. And uh, talk about I know um, Comcast and Time Warner and Verizon and all of the established ISPs are all about uh, stifling competition. Uh, Time Warner and and Comcast don't compete. They've, they've said that and anyone with half a brain knows that they, they don't compete. They are a cartel effectively. Yeah. They've, carved, they've carved the territory up between them, agreed not to compete with each other and that way they don't have to improve their services one jot. That is, that is monopoly and that is not what capitalism and the free market is all about. That's, that's closer to, well, it's not communism but it's totalitarianism. It's mm-hmm. ec- totalitarianism and for something like this to be happening in america which is supposed to be against this kind of crap uh, and having the republicans on on the side of yes i know it's business and that's supposed to be they're on the side of business but this isn't good business no good business should be about uh, making fair profits and delivering quality products to the end user it shouldn't be about rorting people and screwing them up the butt and that is what's going on. The Republicans are wrong and there is no way that anyone with a clear mind could possibly consider that to be an incorrect statement. If, if you think that, sod off, you're wrong. Simple as that. There's no way you can justify this behaviour. If only you're a US citizen, we could run you in a congressional district. Oh, uh, being born in the UK wasn't eligible for the green card, so... Bugger. Yeah. I wasn't, couldn't get into the lottery. So since I don't have uh, valuable skills, I'm 
yeah, I just I abandoned that idea a very long time ago. Yeah, could, although I thought we'd agreed that we run the reason we're doing this podcast. It was a, a platform to launch you into Australian politics. Senator for the Australian Sex I'd, Party. I'd, ha- I'd have to give up two of my passports in order to do that. Yeah, true. I wouldn't be doing that either. I'm, I'm, there's no way I'm walking around without three passports. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> You're only human. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, look, I, it's just it's not, it's an issue that's not going to go away and I just can't see a positive outcome at the end, but, geez, I hope I'm proven wrong. I hope so too. I really do for, for all of our sakes. Otherwise, it's, it's the worst kind of big brother and see, and I just know that I, I'd probably just as likely to sell out my neighbour to Big Brother as far as if I had someone come to me tomorrow, and I know it's not just about the end user, but if I had someone come to me tomorrow and say for $5 more a month, instead of getting your four megabits a second download, that you can have 20 megabits and will double your allowance, I'm handing the money over at the door. And I don't care if anyone else is on the, the t- second tier, I'm happy. Well, divide and conquer, that's always been an extremely useful method for, for bad people. It, yeah. it, it works a treat. And it's sad, but that's, you'll get a whole bunch of people happily go, well, shit, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do that. And I mean, the NBN, we won't start on the National Broadband Network as far as Australia goes because there are some people going to seriously miss, miss out there by the look of it. Well, they've got the satellite nodes all sorted out now, the, the satellite um, stations. So, I mean, that might be... It's, it's, I mean, we're not going to get um, Google Fiber, so the NBN is our, our best option. Granted, it's not a great option, regardless of whether it was the, 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 the poorly budgeted and mismanaged uh, labor version or, the, or the, the castrated version that the, uh, the LNP have been hawking around. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like any large government project. There's, yeah. it, it's, uh, in, or any large project in general, regardless, uh, things get cocked up, and unfortunately, the NBN's no different. It's uh, it's cocked up. Government be involved in this sort of stuff. I won't deny being excited though. I've got the green cable being laid within a block of where I am, so it's getting close. So how close does it have to be before you can use uh, you can Well, get this is where it's, fa- it's fascinating. So my understanding from talking to other people around the area, like uh, a couple of kilometres away, is that it was nearly 12 months from the time the cable was laid to when they could actually connect via an, an ISP. So my guess is that they lay out huge areas and then it's only once a, a whole area is laid out and networked that they then connect it to the wider thing. That's a guess. I have no idea, but... Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So, but I'm just excited to see the cable. And we, we are one of the fortunate areas that's getting fibre to the premises, not to the node. So that's good. Wow, you won't know yourself, will you? Well, I won't. I mean, I'm getting four to five megabits a second, which any of our American listeners will be laughing at and a lot of European ones as well. But I think even with the NBN, what, what are you looking at? I think it's a minimum. Well, under the, the current government's... Uh, castrated version even they're promising i think 25 megabits a second yeah I think still, it, still yeah. a massive improvement yeah. and which just comes into the new uh, the new u.s definition of broadband yes um so which which would be good although um, i mean at&t's definition of broadband i think is like six down oh um but but they're colossal assholes so there's that you said aol then did you just say 
AT&T. Oh, AT&T. I was going to yeah. say, because don't slag AOL. Remember, we're hoping they buy us as a, a new successful podcast. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So they can buy us, um, strip all the, the, the good assets or, or actually, no, probably so they'll... you, yeah. They'll... they'll <laughs> They'll, 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 do, they'll do what they do with everyone else and just grossly mismanagement manage it and then shut it down like they did with massively in um, Joystick. So, yeah. yeah, well done, AOL. I'm, I'm glad I never subscribed to your subpar service. I'm, I'm glad I stuck with CompuServe. You've got mail. Is that AOL, isn't it? Probably. It's one of those things that's become such a... Such yeah, a, I think it's AOL. Part of the... I wonder Lexicon if you actually, of the internet. You might have mail, but any attachments that take three days to download. So, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> like CompuServe. I actually loved CompuServe at the time. Last internet anecdote, I'll never forget being at a university residential school for some study I was doing in about 1994 or 5 and going to the library and watching a guy open the Netscape web browser and so seeing the web, the real World Wide Web for the first time, and I couldn't get my head around. I couldn't understand what I was looking at from a structural viewpoint. Being used to non-visual applications like that, I couldn't. Well, what's where's all that information? Yeah, it blew my mind. Mm. Shows you how far we've come. Well, it it does. <coughs> uh, the first compute, the first PC I owned, I think, was a, a Pentium, first generation Pentium. With Windows 95, uh, and uh, the the first game I got to play on there was Star Wars Dark Forces. Oh yeah, I've actually played that. Believe it or not. Oh, you can be, uh, you can get uh, GOG or you go on Steam. You can get a Star Wars package, and uh, you can get Dark Forces on there. And wow, uh, look the, the the thing you know how there's that saying you uh, you can never go back home. Yeah. Um, it, it's the same with video games. I remember Dark Forces looking so much yeah. less boxy. It, it looks like it's it's a couple of steps. Well, no, it's a, it's in the same neighbourhood as bloody Minecraft. Yeah, uh, except not quite as smooth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's still actually really playable because you you um you start to look past the 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 pixelation and the. Uh, and, uh, and all the rest of the nonsense, but it's just amazing how your mind or your memory embellishes things. Yeah, you're not wrong. I, I think pretty much any video game that you remember enjoying as a kid was trash. Well, not it's. Let's just say that um, probably like uh, like high school girlfriends, they look better in your memory than they did in real life. Yes. Unless they were text adventures. So my favourite game in high school was War Games based on that daggy movie. Yeah. I, I, I watched that movie a couple of months ago. Oh, it's great. It's awesome. I'm just looking at the, the technology going. Anyone, any millennial looking at this is going to be, unless, of course, they're, uh, they're um, a hipster, is going to be looking at this stuff going, what? what the hell? Yeah, I know. That, what even is this stuff? What, what the hell's going on? Hell, they, they, there was a ta- uh, cassette uh, game of that on the VIC-20 that I used to load on my VIC-20 cas- data set, as it was called, um, and it was just a standard text. Uh, just pray the tape doesn't stretch if you, you know, Go to. east, go west, whatever it was, and, yeah, frustrated the shit out of me, but, jeez, I loved it. Did, did you ever play Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I think I did, Yes. Uh, at school of all places, I think. But yes, I, I can't remember if I finished that game. All I really remember from it is the is the Babel, uh, the whole Babel fish yes. uh, puzzle. 
I do remember that. I don't know where it got past that. I, I did get past it, but wow. Wow. There was a, there was a lot of steps in there. But um, speaking of adventure games, Grim Fandango. It's, um, it's out. It's been re-released. They've also just, uh, in the last 12 months, one of the biggest selling ice creams are called Fandangles. Is that a coincidence? Have you eaten a Fandangle? They're bloody beautiful. Uh, not touching a Fandangle and really still disturbed by the fact there's still, uh, there's still cheese you can buy in Australia called Coon and yeah. an ice cream bar you can buy called Gay Time. Yeah, um, true. A little uncomfortable by some of these food products. Go Australia. We're part of Team Australia. All right, so we're, we're going to wrap it up soon. Sorry, that's me stepping into host mode, which I shouldn't be. Um, I, we're, we're going to talk briefly about Walking Dead, wasn't I? Uh, yes, we, yes, we, you were. All right, so Walking Dead had its mid-season premiere um, over the weekend. Um, I've checked it out and it's still the same. Lots of gore and yet another character died. And I won't say who because I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Um, but yeah, I've, you know, at end of the, like the finale for the mid-season, um, a key character died and then another one died in the first episode of the comeback. Is the plot still moving as fast as the zombies? Yeah, it, well, it bogged down there for a season when they're at the jail, but no, it's, they're, they're a lot more on the move now. So it's actually got a bit of momentum, which is good. Excellent. And you just know that Daryl never died because he's the spunk that everyone loves. I think there's a whole bunch of blokes have man crush on him, let alone all the females that idolise him. What's his real name? I always forget it. Anyway, the poor guy can't go anywhere now without being mobbed. Sounds horrible. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to have to worry about that. Uh, no, no, since we wear paper bags on our heads or outsized wigs. I, I'm happy to join TISM for Eurovision. I, I think they'll fit right in. Actually, speaking of wigs um, and false moustaches and glasses and all other methods of disguise, I've been watching The Americans. Now, I didn't even know this show existed, I have to admit. Uh, the only reason I found out about it was because uh, they've, I think NBC have recently started screening a show called Allegiance, which is about uh, Russian spies in, in the U.S., uh, the Americans is a show that's actually been running for a couple of years now. The okay. Allegiance has only just started. Um, Allegiance looks like it's going to be worth a watch, but uh, The Americans, like I say, is in its third seasons now. Uh, it's been on FX and really, really worth a look. Uh, it's, a, it's a different premise. It's a, uh, anyone who... Um, Again, of a certain age, is going to remember the the, the stories about Russian sleep agents. Yeah, Pe- people who uh, are so deep undercover that they they look and sound just like regular regular folks, and uh, they you know they have kids and they have jobs, and uh, but they're just waiting for the code word to reactivate and do what they do. Like well, Lee they- Harvey Oswald. Mm, no. Well, that was one of the conspiracies. Y- yeah, yeah. Don't I think I think the Russians would have chosen someone taller. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's um, it really is a it's I don't want to give it I don't want to give too much away. But basically, it is by, uh, pretty much following the uh, a, a family of uh, well, a couple who are sleep agents. Their kids obviously have got no idea, 
um, as you would expect because kids can't keep a secret. No. Especially something like that. But um, it's, I mean, it's, it's set in the 80s, so it's set during the, the uh, Reagan's just recently become president. Uh, so there's a lot of reference and, and throwback to, to that era, which uh, I've I found oddly compelling. Mm, would be. Uh, just, some, just seeing some of the technology, uh, the, the music and so on. It's, uh, it's very well done. It's not, it's not in your face. It's not, uh, they don't make it too obvious. Uh, but just the, the set, uh, set design uh, wardrobe is just really well done. The story and pacing is excellent. Uh, they've got a couple of great lead actors, but the supporting cast is, uh, is just, it's just wonderful. Um, the really good thing about it is that they don't paint anyone as being either side as being any worse than the other. Quite honestly, you, you get to, you get to sympathize and relate to pretty much Everyone, that everyone's got something you can, you can relate to, or at least understand their motivations, uh, which is really refreshing from the, the, because uh, you know there's the whole red under the bed and better yeah. dead than red, the, and there still are people out there who have this, uh, rather tragic, uh, binary outlook on on these things. You know, you're either with us or against us. Yeah. Is it's not a it's not a philosophy that uh, that tends to get people very far for very long. Uh, so it's it is actually very balanced. And it's, you said it's been going a few seasons. Yeah, it's in its oh, third, okay. started its third season. So I would highly recommend having a look at that. Uh, the the pacing's good, the action's good, the plotting's good, the acting is great. You're never quite sure what's going to happen, and you're never really sure whether. It's going to be any particular character's last episode. Cool. So Which, it's like Game of Thrones to Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it really kind of is. So, yeah, the Americans. Have a look. I think you will find it compelling and somewhat disturbing. Nice. Just the way uh, I like TV. I, I think on that note, unless you've got anything to add, that's probably where we should wind things up. No, nothing beyond um, – I forgot to say at the top of the show um, – Obviously, us two are going to be the Vegemite in the sandwich, you know, holding the bread together. To, um, but I'm assuming we're also going to get lots of other people that hate people on here and there. So um, just alluding to that, that if you've got to the, the end of this and going, well, where's, where's the hatred and, um, and I don't like you two anyway, we'll probably have plenty of guest hosts. Am I right? I think so, yeah. I mean, really, I think the, the title comes from... Well, we were talking and one of us said, I hate people, and you said, and I, I think you said it, and then I said, so do I, or vice versa. It sounds like the sort of thing I would say, yes. Uh, but when you get right down to it, stuff is so much better than people. <laughs> That's right. Actually, we should have used that as a tagline instead of the podcast for the socially horrified. We can change the logo. That's easily No, said. yeah, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. Actually, it's shorter. Maybe we should change it. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, so we will have – I know of at least two people 
uh, I think both of which had been on the Flashpoint podcast before, uh, only once each, that they both regularly say they hate people. So uh, they're two obvious guest co-hosts and I'm sure we can find a lot more. I'll see if I can get Cindy Lauper on. Well, that would be good. Um, we, there's pity we can't have subtitles on an audio podcast. Because you can't understand the Brooklyn accent. Oh, I can understand her well enough, but I'm I sure... I don't know whether it's Brooklyn either, but it's one of those really New Yorker accents. Is it, is it Brooklyn or Queens? It might be Queens. You could be right. I think it might be Queens. Um, did I mention I got to play with a leg? Well, I might as well get all the Cindy Lauper stuff out of the way in the one episode. I, no, no, no. That's a, that's a see that coming up next episode. <laughs> no, no, no. I've got to talk about Cheryl Crow next episode. Um, she had a sore on a leg... And so when we're doing the interview, she was rubbing just below her knee and complaining about this. She'd grazed her knee or so. I can't remember what it was, something like that. And for those unaware, I'm actually a nurse. And so I thought, I'm not missing this opportunity. I said, look, I'm a nurse. Would you like me to take a look at your leg? And she went, yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. So I got to fondle quite a bit of her leg for quite a period of time. She's a very trusting woman. That's all I can <laughs> She say. is. Well, uh, that was a bit of a highlight. So, yeah, I thought I'd throw that in. So that'll be the last Cindy Lauper's spoken of on this podcast. Oh. Unless we get her on as a guest. I, I hope not. Anyway, that's a show. So uh, David tweets under at the Oceanic <laughs> Gamer. Well, actually, let's see, now this is show you how fluid we are. So what? there's what? actually a Twitter account for the site that this podcast will be appearing on. So just, to, conf- just to confuse things. Um, so it's it's actually at Creative Shed, C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E-S-H-E-D. Um, and this podcast is appearing on creativeshed.com, which is just a general tech and artsy blog. So because this podcast is not about gaming, that's the, the site that that'll be appearing on. And if you choose to look through some of the other stuff, that's wonderful, but you don't have to. So, yeah, at Creative Shed, but you're right, Simon, at The Oceanic Game is my other Twitter Secret passion. Yeah. Mm. I think we should talk about comic a bit more about comic books next time as well. Yeah, I, I talked about that to the cows come home. Excellent. I, I bagged to this evening before we started this, I bagged 30 Phantom comics I got off eBay. Oh, I bought a zoom lens off eBay, that's all, and that's not nearly as interesting. Well, they actually, it was 120 Phantom comics, and I got them for $130 which I thought was a good deal. So about a dollar something each. What, what condition are they in? Mint, oh, no, very. Some have got writing all over them. Some are, are, are very good to very fine, some of them. Um, I, I've more, I, I think they're worth about triple what I paid for them, which is not bad. That'll help fund the f- next five episodes of this podcast. See, this is where we should be inserting the link to if you want to give us money, here's where. But we, we've decided not to do that, at least not yet. So that we forgot to mention, we, we are starting a Patreon. <laughs> I did look into it. Don't laugh. Oh. I can't believe some of the money some people raise. Oh, I... We've, we've got to prove ourselves first. God, everybody seems to be jumping on Patreon. Yeah, I know. It's the, it's the, new, it's the new thing. What about if, I, if we raise money, say, I don't know, $10,000 to get Cindy Lauper, Cheryl Crow and John Farnham on the podcast all in one go. I would call that a colossal waste of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, 
So, yeah, it's creativeshed.com. And um, so for those of you listening, that you already know that because that's where you'll have accessed this. So it's all a bit of a pointless plug. Yes. And please bear with us. Um, it will be on iTunes, but there is a delay from when we submit the first episode to it being ongoingly, um, I know it's not a word, available on iTunes. Uh, but it will be available direct from the site until that flows through. Right. Well, that's the contact information. And I think we've gone on long enough. And as a, as a reminder of everyone, this is episode zero. This is the, the test run, the pilot, the we really aren't quite sure what we're doing episode. And this is probably as good as it gets. Yeah, there may be some slight improvement, but uh, we're not promising. So... That's episode zero of We Hate People. And uh, if you didn't like the podcast, uh, don't complain to us. You're the one that listened to it. Have a good night. (laughs) Good night.